Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining, joined by my co-host, Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? I am doing okay. I'm in the car. I'm just, what, maybe 30 miles outside of Charlotte, just driving <laughs> back from New York. <laughs> well, I posted in the chat room that you were on a remote from your car. <laughs> yes, I am I'm, I'm, I'm en route. I should be in my house in probably about, I would say, 25 minutes. So then I'll be able to get online and chat with everybody else in the chat room, too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So how, what, what, where, what are you doing? Where are you headed? Well, I mean, I, I saw you were in New York, but what was going on? Yeah. So um, it was Mark's nephew's first communion, ah. which we thought was next weekend. So we had booked the tickets and everything for next weekend, but... Um, found out that it was actually this weekend, so we had to pull all the stops out and drive up for a quick weekend and then drive back, <laughs> and then we're going to fly up again next week and spend some more time. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, so we've been in the car, just so you know, um, about almost nine hours straight since New York this morning. Are you ready to strangle each other? <laughs> no, actually, Mark's been sleeping most of the way, so it's been pretty peaceful. Mm. Are you <laughs> driving now? I am driving right now, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm behind <laughs> the wheel. Behind the wheel and hosting a show. I love it. That, that's right. You know, it's, it's multitasking, right? Living on the edge. Yes, you know what? You can't live any other way. <laughs> That's funny. So, so we have Sean Decker on tonight, eh? Yeah, yeah. Sean Decker will be calling in shortly. Uh, I'm excited. We have his, his um, wife on um, sometime last summer, I want to say, because I know it was a Wednesday afternoon show and Jack was hosting. Uh huh. So um, I, I don't. I think it was in the summer last year was when they were both on. It, so I think it was too. Yeah, because I, I remember. Yeah, I, think I remember I that. Why? I can't, but can't remember when, but I remember they were last year. So, and it's good to have him back. Yeah, it is. It is. He's actually uh, doing a tour with his band, um, Synthetic Division, and he's going to come on and talk about that as well. Oh, great! That's terrific. So, what have you been up to? Tell us what's going on. Ah, uh, everything's been good. You know, Joe, uh, my partner, <laughs> fainted the other night, and I, you know, was freaked out by it. We had to go to the emergency room, and, you know, he's fine and, and getting back to normal. We're working on quitting smoking, um, but I'm good. kind of not doing real well with it. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing better than I am. He had those three days in the hospital, so right. he, couldn't, so he yeah. couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole cold turkey thing, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so what else is happening? I mean, it's well, been like a week or something since we last talked. Right? Yeah, that's right. You were with me last week. Um, well, I still have the blog up. People can go check out at the body um, about the ADAP waiting list. Uh, um, the ADAP Advocacy Association's video they put together um, for uh, an open letter to President Obama asking him to end the wait for the ADAP yeah. list. And I just got, like, an email, I believe, from Dad saying that it's growing even more. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, there's a little over 1,000 people now on waiting lists all over the place. So, you know, that's something that people can go check out at thebody.com. Have you put up a blog lately? No, I have not had time to put up a blog. Because, <laughs> I, you know, I'm still you know, planning this wedding and just – everything is, is just – going crazy around around and it's just you know travel just drive up to New York, you know, and just and then flying up there on Wednesday, it's gonna be crazy. It's just 
So I promise in the next couple of weeks I will finally get a new blog post out, but I, I really got to get one in soon. <laughs> well, People are probably thing, wondering what, what the hell is going on with them. <laughs> right. Well, you know, they know you're getting busy, so you got a, a wedding plan. Yeah, yeah I'm getting busy. That's, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know he's getting busy. <laughs> Great. Um, but the one thing that I did want to talk about tonight before we um, bring Sean on because he's not on the line yet, but uh, – uh, we did have a uh, profile design contest um, on POS.IM, and uh, we announced the winners on the site, but I wanted to announce them also on the air. Um, people can go and check out the profiles at POS.IM.com, uh, click join the social network. Um, it's announced on the homepage, uh, the first place with Sam, our second place with Anthony, and our third place with David. You can go and check them out all on the social network. So I have Sean on the line here, so I'm going to okay. bring him on. Um, and let's see how we go from there. Sean, welcome right. to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Excellent. Excellent. We, well, and if you weren't doing well, we wouldn't want to hear it. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would be the uh, neg we are in terms of attitude yeah, exactly. radio show. Exactly. And I, nobody wants a piece of that action. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. No one. So, Sean, what's going on? What's going on with you? Um, just uh, really busy. Uh, just been working on some music. Uh, not a lot of people know I do music. Mostly people know I, I blog uh, for Paws.com and also uh, go around and educate about sexual health with my negatoid partner, Gwen. But uh, I've been involved <laughs> in doing music for a long time, and, and this year, actually, I'm, I'm sort of tying it all together with the HIV educational work. So I'm just getting ready to... Uh, go on the road next week for a two-week tour um, that I'm calling the Symptom of Life Tour, so I'm pretty excited about that. So that is terrific. So where are you going? Where, 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 where are you headed? Is it a worldwide tour, or is it <laughs> you know, just a Virginia tour? No, no, I'm um, venturing out of Virginia for the first time with my, uh, my synth pop band, Synthetic Division. We're going on tour opening for our friends in Bellamorte, who have been touring for uh, a little over 10 years now, and uh, they're also wow. based in Charlottesville, and They've done some like uh, fundraisers here in town for the aid service organization, so they really kind of get what I do outside of music, and they're really really good friends. So we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, Providence, Rhode Island, starting uh, next Tuesday, May 11th. Then we're gonna work our way to Arlington, Massachusetts, then Ithaca, New York, then Pittsburgh, then Passaic Park, New Jersey, and then uh, and then I'm gonna play some shows with Synthetic Division in Brooklyn and Lynchburg before reuniting with uh, Bella Morte here in Charlottesville for a home show on Saturday, May 22nd, which is the end of the tour. So the tour goes from Tuesday, May 11th through Saturday, May 22nd. Wow, that that, 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 that just sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm like, I kind of I know like the realities of this and and for me, you know, I, I travel with Gwen, but, you know, we, we fly around when we go speak, and that's, that's a different thing. We sort of go in and out, and I, I can, I, I, we, you know, oftentimes I do a day where it's like, you know, I only got a couple hours of sleep. But I actually routed out this tour, and it doesn't look too bad. There's only, there's only one time where uh, my bandmate Josh and I are driving uh, after a show from, like, 11 p.m. to, like, 6 a.m., but... We're actually sleeping in to like 2 p.m. that day, so I don't think it'll be too bad. And I'm gonna put together like a mixed CD and just and really have the adrenaline jams, you know, have some Queen going and you know. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's similar to what I it, because I'm I'm in the car right now, as a matter of fact. I oh wow. Driving. I just drew, I, We just drove down from New York City back down to Charlotte, North Carolina. So, oh wow. Yeah. That's nine hours. Nine, nine hours. hours. That is Yay. a hike. It is a hike, let me tell you. <laughs> but um, but we're not here to talk about me as much as I would want to. Um, <laughs> so you have this awesome book that I've read twice because yeah. it was so damn funny I had to read it twice to laugh twice as hard. <laughs> what, what made you come up with the idea of My Pet Virus? Oh man, I I just uh I think for me it was when I when I first decided to speak out in uh 1996. It's like I was diagnosed at age 11, um, you know, it's sort of the dark ages like 87 when there there wasn't kind of a lot of hope and I kind of kept my status to myself as much as possible. Um, but at 20, you know, I I graduated high school a couple years before, um, 
sort of this happy-go-lucky mindset I had, you know, sort of one day at a time, enjoy life, and it sort of ran headfirst into the fact that, you know, hey, I might be around a while, and I had no sort of life plan, and, and for the first time, that really started to bother me, so I put up a website called My Pet Virus and just was like, okay, I'm just going to announce my HIV status, and I'm going to see where the chips fall, and I, I knew my life wouldn't be the same because I knew this this personal thing I'd kept to myself was going to be out there, but the idea excited me, and I was like, I'm ready for it. This is, you know, I sort of want to dedicate my life to, like, letting people know what what it's like to live with this. And, and, you know, at the same time, I didn't want to bum people out who are already positive. And after I put up the website, I had a good response, and, and then I started uh, writing a column for Paws Magazine called Positoid. Um, and so, yeah, just, uh, you know, when, when Gwen and I met a few years after I put up the website, and, you know, we fell in love and we started traveling around speaking together, Gwen was encouraging me, like, you know, you need to you need to write. You're a good writer. You need to write this. Put it in, you know, write it as a book. And and so I just kind of drug, drug my feet for a couple of years, and then, and then finally, um, you know, a friend of mine told me he was telling my story to John uh, Barrent, uh, author of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And I was, mm-hmm. came running into Gwen and said, Oh my God, you won't believe, you know, who says I should write a book? John Brent. And Gwen said, Jackass, I've been telling you for two years. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think it was just. Just understanding that that people HIV positive and HIV negative um, were enjoying how I was writing about the whole issue and mm-hmm. and just getting some encouragement from from some some strangers in high places and some some people who were not strangers in, in very close quarters. <laughs> right, exactly. Isn't it funny how we oftentimes don't listen to what our partner is telling us and we don't <laughs> we have to wait till that third party who seems to be objective says, hey, you ought to do this when your partner's been saying, you ought to do this all along. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. That's how it goes. It's like, you know, you, you know your partner knows better a lot of times, and then it's like, exactly. oh, gosh, uh, that's a lot of work. And then when somebody else suggests it, you're like, hey, you know. <laughs> hey, we can, I can do that. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you and Gwen. Now, I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but... No, no, let's roll with it. You and Gwen, she is like this gorgeous beauty queen, and <laughs> then there's you. Not, no, not, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how did you two meet? Because I, I thought, after reading this in the book, I thought this was a great story, and I wanted you to share that with everybody. Yeah, yeah, this is a, you know, for me... And like a lot of people, and what you guys do at, at Pause I Am with your personal section and everything else, it's like it, you know what it's like. To, you know when you when you test positive, one of the initial concerns once you sort of get over you know the fear of your immortality and you come to terms with that a little bit, like you know, and sometimes even before that, people's concern is, am I going to find love? Is anybody going to accept this? And and how do I protect my partners? And and all kinds of things like that. Um, so so for me, how I ended up meeting Gwen after after all those sort of concerns slowly began to alleviate. Um, you know, I'd been out, you know, very public for a few years, and then uh, the local AIDS service organization um, was contacted by Gwen. She was looking for somebody who was positive to go into high schools and share their story. And so we spoke on the phone, and uh, she was looking for somebody who had actually contracted HIV sexually because she thought at the time that, you know, high school students might might relate a little bit more to that. And so when I was explaining, you know, with you know, me being born with hemophilia and contracting it when blood products weren't safe in the 1980s. She just thought that might sort of get people off the topic of sex a little bit. And so, so she, yeah, she wasn't going to use me for that. And then we just happened to meet a month later, randomly, um, Jeannie White came to, uh, to JMU, where James Madison University, where Gwen was going to graduate school at the time. And Jeannie spoke, and I was there with a couple of friends, and Gwen overheard me being a loud mouth talking to my friends. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just thank Jeannie for, for being there, and then the next person in line behind me said, you know, hey, hey, are you Sean? I think we spoke on the phone a month ago, and so I, I noticed, as you said, Gwen's uh, very attractive. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, we exchanged email addresses, and then uh, portions of the AIDS quilt were, were on display at JNU, so Gwen sent me an email and said, hey, you know, you want to come check this out? And I was like, all right, so that's a it's an it's a it's a weird first date. It was, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, we were we were just friends at first, and and it was you know it was really cool to 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 meet a fellow sex educator and and not have 
not have sort of the weight of having to be the sole, uh, you know, educator in terms of, of condom use. Like, she knew all that. She'd done condom demonstrations. So so after we became friends, it, we just found every reason to hang out, and we fell in love, and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. So how long have you guys been married? Um, Six years. You had the cat there. You had to look at her, didn't you? She's sitting right there going, six years. She's holding up those six fingers. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> six years. We've been no, living in Sten before that. Uh, we've been living together over ten years. So. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah we, well, she be good. we hit the ground running. We moved in together pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do the... <laughs> You guys do these speaking gigs together, right, Sean? Yeah, and, yeah. And there, and there's um, uh, your website is seanandgwen.com. Yeah, Sean and Gwen, uh, Gwen with two N's. And, and then you I, guys yeah. go around and you guys talk about from both perspectives, right? As somebody who's positive and then somebody who's negative as well. Yeah, yeah. We we mainly do. You know, we spend about a half an hour explaining. You know, how we each got involved and. I talk about, you know, the personal side. Gwen talks about, you know, when she was in college, undergrad, someone, you know, a young woman with HIV came and spoke um, to uh, her and her sorority sisters, and, and she just talks about that being a catalyst where she saw somebody her own age who, uh, you know, was had made, you know, kind of the same decisions in life that her and her friends had made, only this person, you know, had contracted HIV, and so that really stuck with Gwen. And, and I talk about what it was like, you know, being diagnosed early and, you know, facing discrimination and being kicked out of school. But we really we really keep the emphasis on our relationship and safer sex and how we keep Gwen negative. And uh, we really emphasize that we have a healthy sexual relationship, which I think is, is an important swing for students who come in thinking like, oh, my God, how could anybody date somebody? And then as we explain our relationship and how we make it work and how we make it fun, I think a lot of people realize, like, that they and their friends are engaging, you know, in riskier behaviors than Gwen and I because Gwen and I are completely safe and we know what we need to do to keep her HIV negative. So I really, really uh, feel thankful for the work that Gwen and I get to do, and I think college students um, really relate to Gwen um, as being HIV negative. And I think they relate to me, too. I think I, I remind people of a lot of their friends. Like, I'm, I'm the jackass who's always wisecracking, and, you know. <laughs> so, I don't take myself too seriously either. And, and, I, and you know, if it takes, you know, I, I enjoy cracking a few jokes at my expense just to get people to loosen up because you guys know, uh, you know how heavy this topic can be. And, and people oftentimes don't feel comfortable asking you personal questions. But we're, we're all in the same boat in terms of being positive and being public with it. And if people can't feel comfortable asking us questions, um, then then yeah, then that's not that's not a good thing because people have very few people they can ask these questions about HIV and particularly personal questions too. Right. You know. You know. And I because you, you mentioned that you you make fun of yourself a little bit, and you know obviously there's you, you call yourself a positoid, and you you know see other positoids and negatoids, mm-hmm. but I have to I have to confess something to you, Sean. Mm-hmm. I um, every time I read Harry Potter, I think of you. <laughs> <laughs> I do because after I, because I had read your book before I read all the Harry Potter series, uh-huh. and all I could think of is any time they called somebody a mudblood, I thought of thin blood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm like, oh God, get out of my head! So just so you know, totally, totally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, what was the yeah, thing, I, the uh, the Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, yeah, every time I, I saw that, that movie ad and the poster and all that, I always thought, like, Harry Potter and the Thin-Blood Prince? Like, <laughs> they would have had my eight bucks if that, if that had been the name of the movie. I would have had to go see it. <laughs> I mean, they, they talk about Half-Bloods and Mud-Bloods, and I'm just like, you know, I think, I think you know, what's her name, Rawling, it, read your book and said, ha, 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 I'm going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so I, I certainly am one that actually appreciates the, the humor behind it. Um, and as, as a person who does appreciate it, I also understand that there are some folks who don't appreciate it. What, what have you, how have you encountered and how have you handled you know, some of the resistance towards, well, why are you making fun of it? It's not a funny thing. And how, how do you deal with that? 
I think I, I pretty much protect myself from that, and, and I realized very, very much in the beginning, and I'm, I'm so thankful that I did this. Um, when I first put up my pet virus, like, I had to think of a way that I could speak about this in which I was comfortable, and I didn't really want to drive people away. And the only way I could mm-hmm. do it was, like, I'm just going to keep being me, but I'm going to talk about what it's like living with HIV. So, so I knew from the very beginning, you know, people have lost loved ones. I knew all the times where I'd been, like, what was going to happen to me. Um, I didn't want to approach it lightly. So anytime I make fun of HIV, I'm really just making fun of myself. Um, you know, I never sort of say, oh, you know, AIDS isn't a big deal. I've lived with this long. Like, no way. Like, when Gwen and I go speak, you know, I'm, you know, the, here's kind of the jokes I make. You know, I make a joke that, you know, I was born under the you know, the sign cancer, so I was born under a deadly disease, and, you know, the symbols for cancers are crabs, and this, you know, in terms of, you know, this is why fate, you know, I've had all these medical things, because I think it was part of fate, and I talk about my initials being STD, and so, like, all the jokes are really just sort of topical, and just directed at me, and just sort of these sort of WTF, like, oh my god, that's, that's funny, but but yeah, I definitely don't I don't like cross into the line of of saying like you know HIV and AIDS is no big deal because I know what it I know what a big deal it's been and I know like the fatigue I've dealt with um, just you know when I got sick and the diagnosis you know I got the AIDS diagnosis in 1999 I had to start meds and you know I've just just always sort of understood like you know this is very serious and people are going to be uh, hearing me and reading my viewpoints on this at various stages of their own acceptance of living with HIV. And so I think sometimes if, if people think, you know, oh, gosh, he's joking about it and don't don't kind of see that I'm joking about myself, a lot of times it's people's, um, you know, those people are maybe, maybe at a point where they're kind of uncomfortable with themselves at that, at that particular time. Right. So I'm, I'm sort of making them think about their own HIV status, and they're just mm-hmm. not at a point where they feel like they could ever laugh at themselves over 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 anything like that. So, so yeah, I just do it really as an educational tool and to keep myself entertained. But I never, never, um, you know, and I thought about that from the beginning, like how I present myself and how I educate it at the forefront of my mind was I don't want to bum anybody with HIV out because. In the 10 years I was positive and didn't speak about it, so many prevention messages were like, don't get this or you'll die, don't do this, right. the death sentence. And that really affected me, and that really put me further into denial, because who wants to think about something if it's absolutely going to kill you and it's going to be terrible? And, and so I was like, no, I can I can speak about prevention, what people can do to prevent themselves from being infected without destroying the hope of people who are already living with HIV. Right, or or, or, right. or instilling fear, you know what I mean? Because a lot of um, people that go around seem to instill that, like, fear that this is a test that you don't want to fail and things like that. And I really think that the way that you and Gwen do it, and the way that you guys do it together, it's like perfect harmony. You know, I watched that, uh, there was a video of you, I guess, on your YouTube page, mm-hmm. uh, the two of you guys together. And I think it was just a couple news clips of you doing certain things, and then at yeah. the end it had your staying alive your MTV staying alive thing with Gwen, and it was just, like, so cute to both of you together. Oh, thanks. You know, and I think it's important because a lot of people associate HIV with being gay, and I think to have a straight couple do it, you know, on the front lines, I think it's just, you know, something that's groundbreaking and something that hopefully will inspire more couples to get out there and start talking. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and, and Gwen and I, you know, we as a as a zero diverse zero discord and however you want to frame it couple like you know we we face you know the same issues any zero diverse couple faces whether it's same sex couple or a couple like Gwen and I and um you know we just you know I don't know if we'd even be dating if Gwen hadn't you know she was volunteering for an aid service organization and and there was a, a guy with HIV who was you know out about his status in the public and and he really opened up to Gwen about like you know him and his boyfriend and 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 they've been together for like 10 years and and he was and you know the boyfriend was HIV negative and he just talked to her about how they did that and i really think at the beginning of our relationship if she hadn't had that connection that advice um she may have been um a little less willing to to sort of dip her toes into this relationship so so yeah i think it you know us being straight when we go speak at colleges i think it gets people it perks their ears up and it gets them to listen to it but I hope by the end of it, you know, we we try to encourage all pe- all all couples to be safe and 
And for us, like, you know, I sometimes I just try to go against, like, you know, I really try to talk about, you know, how homophobia has really, you know, kept a lot of people from getting tested. It's kept a lot of people ignorant about how HIV is transmitted. It's kept a lot of people from disclosing to their friends because it's like, oh, I just tested positive and my friends, you know, they're totally homophobic and, 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 and they're not going to be able to deal with this. So I just think we got to get people to treat each other like humans and get over homophobia if we're going to ever get people to get tested and get people to take their health seriously. That is a great message, a- absolutely. And, and you know, and you're a real-life example. You're not some story that, some, that you're telling about somebody else. I mean, you're a real-life example, and I think that really I, – I, th- I, I personally think that's a lot easier to grasp when they can see you, touch you, feel you, smell you, well, hopefully you smell good, but um, <laughs> you don't know that breath or anything. <laughs> but it's it's easier for people to comprehend when they actually see it in front of them and not sit there and say, well, there there are cases where straight couples can be happy and safe, da 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 da. You know, it's I I think I think you guys do a really good job of that. Thanks, thanks, and I think it's really just you know, people uh, just on a basic level um, don't feel comfortable talking about sex, and and a lot of us, you know. It's definitely more comfortable to get in a, a situation where it's like, oh, this is leading towards sex, and it's it's almost easier for you know for some of us to 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 be involved in sex acts whether sex act rather than talk about it. Talking about sex right. makes everybody uncomfortable. So yeah. I think the best thing you know that Gwen and I do is just kind of tell people it's really important that that we all kind of talk about this with our friends and and you know be there for somebody if they if they had if they had an incident where they they feel worried and get tested and and you know we talk about the stigma of HIV testing like you know uh Jeremy you you've written you know on your site about you know you didn't want to get tested because you know you were in denial you didn't you didn't think it was possible that 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 you could test positive and um you know that's the same same thing when i was a kid and yeah. And there was there were evidence there was evidence that my um, immune system was compromised, and my parents didn't get me tested because they felt like if they didn't get me tested, then they could they could just assume I was HIV negative. Exactly, and and I think that's that's a lot of people's um, attitude towards it. If I don't get tested, I'm I'm negative. Mm-hmm. It's you know, and and that was my I, that was my philosophy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people that that are worried, but you know they're not feeling good. But then you know they get better, and then they don't think about it until the next time. And then you know it's you know it's like you know people live years and years you know positive and and dealing with some some consequences to their health and and just don't get tested. And so you know that leads to to a higher likelihood of being hospitalized. And so many people find out in the hospital when 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 they're deathly ill, like, oh, here's the reason why you've been kind of sick the last four or five years because exactly. you've probably been living with HIV for a decade. And so, so yeah, like it, it just it's it's so you know the, the most disheartening thing is is the stigma around HIV testing. It's like, gosh, this is preventable, but how can we prevent it if 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 so many people are afraid to get tested? Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay, you guys are gonna hear a couple of beeps because I just got into the garage, so. <laughs> right, just, Jeremy, I'll, I'll mute you for two minutes. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, cool. <laughs> all right, there. We'll take care of that. Well, until he gets back on. Um, Sean, one of the things I want to um, talk to you about was what was it like? What do you feel now? Because you're 31 now, right? I am 34. 34. Okay, 34. So you were diagnosed at 11. You're 34 now. What is it like to now be 20 years older after being told that you only had two years to live when you were diagnosed? Um, well, yeah, like when I was first diagnosed, um, my parents were sort of told, you know, in terms of, you know, they kind of knew I'd probably been infected for three or four years at the point when I was 11 and, and, got, and got tested. And I was never told the the news that I had six months to two years to live because my parents they obviously didn't relay that to me but right. I just I just had a sense that that you know the hopes weren't high in terms of you know and it wasn't anything that sort of came it didn't come from my parents but it was like I just knew like why am I going why am I getting lab work done four times a year why are they why are they looking so closely at this 
and you know the T cells would would drop a little bit, and sometimes they'd go up a little bit. But I just knew, like you know, I just I just knew kind of what the scorecard was, and I knew what I was up against, and and that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to go to my doctor's appointments. Um, so for me to to live so many years, um, I think I think each year that passed, and each time I got over a hurdle, like you know, starting junior high school, going back to school, like starting to date, dealing with. You know, the first time a girlfriend, you know, was told by an outside party that that I was HIV positive, and you know, in high school, like you know, seeing seeing what can happen when you don't disclose and all the drama, and and realizing like, oh crap, you know, sometimes uh, relationships turn physical when when you're not expecting that, and so I just kind of, you know, learned along the way, realized little by little that you know, you know, maybe I wasn't on borrowed time and 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 just you know i still i still today over 20 years later just kind of step outside of it and and think like wow like i'm very thankful for my life and i am very thankful for gwen and all my friends and all you other educators out there and just seeing what has come from those early years and all the loss that the community faced and and all of us sort of picking up the torch and i just kind of like you know i just kind of feel like some people have survivor's guilt. I have survivor's pride, and I really just feel like yeah, I need to keep fighting. I need to keep talking about this because there's a lot of people who'd be out there educating if they had just gotten sick a few years later. I was I was lucky. I got sick in 99. If I'd gotten that sick in 91, you know, I wouldn't be here. And so, so yeah, I do step outside, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to realize, like, okay, you know, I I kind of kind of overcame the odds through dumb luck. And I need to make the best of my life because, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. Yeah, I think it's important for for long-term survivors like yourself to continue to speak because, personally, for me, if if long-term survivors weren't the ones speaking, because when I was first, you know, looking into this, Mm -hmm. um, sharing my story and stuff, I only came across you, Bob Bowers, and I think Marvelin and then Todd Murray with Hope's Voice. So you four were the only ones, and if it wasn't for, like, you, because you were the book I could find in the store, yeah. you know what I mean, when I wanted something to read. So, I mean, if I didn't read your book or, or run into you somewhere on the Internet and be inspired by it, you know what I mean, a, a lot of people wouldn't get that courage to start sharing. So I just want to thank you for, for sharing for so long as as you have. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, that that means a lot. and and. You've definitely uh, you helped the community, and you've helped a lot of people uh, come to terms with their status too. So, so yeah, I just I just think it's 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 a cool chain reaction, and just to be you know one part of that link, and you know, it, it really you know I'm 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 really I'm really touched. Like you know that's that's a cool thing. So, <laughs> thanks for searching hey, Jeremy, for the book. Are you back? the book. The book's not easy to find, so so that speaks to your diligence in terms of. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, it's kind of hard. You are back, Charlie. Uh, I, I am. I'm. I am. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, can I just tell you, it's so nice to be in my own house. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like getting home after what is a nine-hour drive you just did. Oh, yeah. We we drove up Friday. We left at noon, got up there at twelve thirty at night because uh. I went away that. They said, oh, you need to go this way because there's less traffic. And it, I mean, it, I went uh, I went across the entire state of Pennsylvania. So I, yeah. I waved at you, um, Robert, <laughs> and when I went past the Levittown um, exit yeah. at like 1030 at night. Oh, and then I waved at you, I, and then I waved at Sean when I went through the Char- Charlottesville um, <laughs> Exit this afternoon. <laughs> I, I just made a big circle, but yeah. um, it, oh golly, it, it's just I'm logging into the site right now, so it's just nice to be home. But um, yeah, so I got your book at the public library. Excellent, excellent. And, and I probably owe some money on it because I haven't taken it back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you need if you need a personal letter, like I can send one that you can. Okay, would you would you mind? <laughs> no. How late are we talking? Yeah, like, if, it, um... if, it, if it's ridiculous, I can't be associated with that. <laughs> it's probably no, been a year. 
I, I had kept it out for almost four months before I took it back because I, I, wanted, I, I read it like twice. And then I, I went back and I referenced some things. And it's just like, it, it was just, it, it was a good book. Very wow. good. It was entertaining. It was helpful to understand a different person's point of view and perspective. So it, it was, that was nice. So um, it, it, it's somebody who's been infected in, in the positive for a while, it was, it was just nice to see a different take on it instead of, you know, like you said earlier about reading all the doom and gloom and death and mayhem and all of that. I mean, because it, it, and as you two will know, that not HIV is not always that movie Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You know, or in the gloaming, we don't all go home to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, I mean, we are leading very healthy, productive lives. And, and Sean, your book demonstrates that, that you can absolutely do that. So so thank you for that. Oh, I mean, really, it's it was my pleasure to write it. And, and I'm just happy that, you know, like you said, there's, there's that other perspective, you know, there, we, the community has faced so much loss and so much devastation and, and HIV has killed millions and millions of people worldwide. But, you know, at the same time, like part of the resilience of the community has been our ability to sort of, to, to take things in stride and to pick up the pieces and to, and to, and to keep our doctor's appointments and to keep taking our HIV meds and to talk to our doctors and, and talk to our partners. And so, you know, we're, we're a pretty, tough community and and i think i think part of that you know you have to have a counterbalance to the seriousness of 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 an hiv diagnosis and the seriousness of confronting dating with hiv and and it's kind of like when you get over those things like there is some fresh air above those clouds and it's like you know i i just think you know that that perspective is important too because I don't know. Part of it is just like you really want to you want to reach down and pull people up. Like your life's not mm-hmm. over because you were t- you tested positive. Like you know, and and for me, like those 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 things, it's like you know, like I said, I was going to be taking some queen in the car. Like a lot of my early experiences in terms of 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 meeting people through the media, like not really meeting them, was you know Ryan White talking about being positive and having the same experience, and that's when I was sort of in denial and I didn't want to hear about it. So I kind of reacted negatively every time, you know, he was on People Magazine and my, my parent and my mom was talking about him and he was on TV. I was like, go away, go away, don't talk about it. I don't want to, uh, go away, Ryan, I don't want you now. And then when he passed, I was like, oh, gosh, he, he's gone. And, you know, right. Mercury announcing, you know, kind of on his deathbed that, that he had HIV and, and Rock Hudson and all those things. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, they're having those early experiences and then now having so many friends who are positive only because I'm speaking out, it's like my life's been so rewarding, you know, just just being in a position where I meet other people who who are open about their status. And you know, I, I get a lot of people writing, and you guys you guys probably get the same thing who are who are still not open about their status. And um, you know, I just I just hope you know at some point that um, they too can can uh, can get over that because while it doesn't seem like maybe it's a big deal, I think keeping that in over time can, can slowly sort of wear you down and, and you you really just put so much unintended mental energy towards that that you don't even realize is going there. You don't realize it until right. you speak out and you like take ownership ownership over it that you're like, Oh, okay, yeah, that that's kept me from doing a few things and I didn't even know that was happening. Mhm. Yeah. That'll really do it to you. Sean, where can people um people can find your book I know in Barnes and Noble. And borders, um, Amazon.com. They can go to mypetvirus.com, right? Yeah, yeah, they can do that. Um, Paws.com also has a, a bookstore um, on their website now, where they they have a lot of titles by HIV positive artists. So they really have compiled a really impressive list of books that that um, are you know are a great benefit to the community. So that that's that's the place I direct people. Paws.com. They have they have a nice uh, selection there. There you go, and you can also um, check out Sean's blog as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I really enjoy keeping the blog, and so I'm going to actually be blogging about the tour. I think I'm going to be doing like a, a pause TV thing from the road, sort of updating, um, you know, putting up some YouTube videos about what's going on on the road. And so I, I'm hoping I can do that. i gotta, I got to try to upload something and send it to them tomorrow so it's not just a big clusterfuck on the road, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have I have like a week to get prepared, and I, I just realized too, like I just I just kind of burnt the set on a CD, and I'm like, it's kind of important if I'm playing like you know eight or nine shows on the road. It's kind of important if I remember my own lyrics. So it's like you know I got the T-shirts ordered, I got the messenger bags ordered, I got the uh, you know one condoms is sponsoring by by giving me uh you know condoms to to give out at all the shows and. And uh, you know MTV staying alive, they're they're helping sponsor by promoting and pause as well. And uh, Bella Morte, their buddies at Vampire Freaks are, are promoting the, the shows as well. So, so yeah, I have all these things going on and juggling all these things, and I realize I better damn well remember the songs I'm singing. <laughs> you, know? you, guys, you, guys, you guys know how looped out we get, you know. <laughs> now will Gwen be going with you on this tour? Um, Gwen is going to be uh, coming aboard for the second leg. She's going to actually be um, Bella Morte's playing this thing called Dracula's Ball, and uh, Syntec Division isn't playing, but um, we're going to be in Philadelphia. So she's going to take the train up to Philadelphia on uh, Saturday, May fifteenth, and we're going to like go hang out at Dracula's Ball. And then, actually, it's funny that you mentioned this because um, one of the things that I'm going to be doing is, and I'm announcing it here on Pause I Am for the first time, is. I'm really into my ice mochas, and anybody who sort of reads the blog or, or, or you know is friends with me on Facebook knows that there are like hundreds of pictures of me drinking ice mochas. On Sunday, May 16th, in Philadelphia at the Last Drop Coffee House, I'm going to be doing sort of a Decker's Daily uh, coffee gathering for anybody who wants to come say hi. It's uh, Sunday, May 16th, from 2 to 3 p.m. at the Last Drop Coffee House. So. Do you know where that is in Philly? That is on 1300 Pine Street. Oh, right in the middle of the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> My peak. I'll be able to find that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, one of my one of my friends on my pool league team actually mentioned Last Drop, and when I was looking online for some places, like that one came up, and I was like, oh, one of one of my buddies mentioned that who lived up in Philadelphia, and I I think the term neighborhood neighborhood uh, was was thrown around, so I was like, if it's in the neighborhood, it's got to be awesome. So I was like, well, that's the place. So yeah, that's gonna happen. I hope I hope some people turn out and have a nice mocha with me because that's gonna be the midway point of the tour, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of kind of need that energy boost. So, so I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. Just oh, real quick, I just want to let, let, let people know who are listening, if you would like to call into the show and speak with Sean, maybe you have a question or a comment and would like to give some feedback and you read My Pet Virus, give us a call at 347-215-9442. Can I attempt something else? Yeah, whatever you want. Okay, well, there's this thing, Gwen reads her fashion blogs. Because you know we do HIV education, but you know we, we we have our normal existence, and she's obsessed with fashion blogs, which is you know her thing. And I <laughs> I watch my pro wrestling on TiVo, and we we dork out in our own ways. But she came across this H and M Fashion Against AIDS uh, contest that's happening, and uh, my band Synthetic Division has entered. And so I'm really trying to get people to uh, to click over and vote for Synthetic Division because. H&M is going to take the top ten bands, and then they're going to choose one to play at their Fashion Against AIDS launch party on May 19th in New York City. So I'm trying to rally people. Um, right now, we just cracked the top ten. We're number ten, but we're right on the cusp. Um, the voting ends Friday at midnight, so we really have to fight to get up there because, you know, some other bands might join in. Like, you know, the Goo Goo Dolls could come in, and, you know, the Goo Goo Dolls, I don't trust them. They come, they pop up when you least expect it. So I really want to get up to five just to be confident that that we're in the consideration because I think I'm the only pause musician that's, uh, you know, I haven't had time. There's like 80 bands. I haven't had time to look everybody up. But I think I'm the only openly pause musician. I think it'd be really cool um, to raise awareness by playing a Fashion Against AIDS show. So if anybody's listening who hasn't voted in the H&M Fashion Against AIDS contest, um, then definitely come vote for me, and you can you can find all that information on Facebook. And and would you put something up, Robert? Yeah. What is the um, you know the uh, website? Um, the website is like really uh, kind of discombobulated. It's it's got all the all these stupid things. But one of my friends actually made a tiny URL site, and I think it leads to it. And I'm gonna check it just to make sure. Um, but it's tinyurl.com. Slash HIV help, and I'm going to type it in because this is one of my friends on Twitter that you just don't follow his picture links because <laughs> they can be so disgusting sometimes. 
All right, it goes right to it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to be a turd or something, but um, it is tinyurl.com slash HIV help, and that goes directly to the place where you can vote for synthetic division. And right now we have 147 votes, and we're barely teetering on the uh, top ten level. So Jack McEnroth actually tweeted it, and he really he really gave us a boost. We were uh, floating around rank number 21, and then he uh, he tweeted it, and several people I don't even know retweeted it, and I got lots of friends bugging all their friends on Facebook. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> like I, I hope I hope we can make the top 10. H and M H and M puts us through to the next level. That'd be great. But I'll be. I'll happy. have to. I'll have to tweet it after the show. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I'll make sure everybody else um, retweets it as well. You know what? I saw one of your other videos, and uh, you you took a, a tour inside a museum where you were able to see Ryan White's bedroom on display. Yeah, yeah. What the was that like? The Children's Museum of Indianapolis has a display of Ryan White's, uh, you know, memorabilia, and they they just they did his bedroom up just the same way because Jeannie White kept his bedroom untouched after he passed for for many years, and then. She just was like, "Hey, you guys, if you guys want this stuff, go for it." And they set it up. That that was just like it was really interesting um, because, you know, so much was made when Ryan went public. He's just a normal kid. He's just a normal kid. Um, but you know, he was he was kind of anything but normal just because so many people weren't disclosing their status. <laughs> but when you when you when you see his bedroom, when you sit there and you just look at the pound puppy on the bed, and you see the Alyssa Milano poster on the wall, and <laughs> and you see the little Casio keyboard. It's like he he was just a regular kid. Like and and I think you know the Children's Museum of Indianapolis doing that really is introducing him to a new generation of kids. And I think it's opening a dialogue about HIV um, with parents who were Ryan's age when he went through all that. And so I think it's just a brilliant brilliant thing um, for them to do and be involved in and. And yeah, it was just like you know, it was a little, it was a little overwhelming. It was just like, wow, like this is this is so cool that that this is available for the public to see because um, you know, but we have to remember sort of you know what some of the battles were back then, you know, people getting kicked out of school, people being discriminated against very openly with no repercussions. You know, nowadays people are still being discriminated against, but. When word gets out, it's very swift, and it's very much like, hey, you know, it's illegal. That's you know, you can't discriminate against somebody based on the medical condition. So, so there's a little more awareness in that area, but um, well, a lot more because people just don't have as many fears about like, oh, I'll get I'll get AIDS if I share a glass of water with somebody. There's still some people, but they can be brought they can be brought on board a lot quicker than you know, 25 years ago. So, so yeah, I just think you know, I just think. Having that there for people to see is 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 such a cool thing. So any if anybody's in Indianapolis, like I would definitely recommend going to the Children's Museum to check it out. Now what I'm else is sure at the museum? <laughs> what's that? What else is at the museum? I mean, I'm trying to figure out like what's at a children's museum? Is it like just about children who have passed away that were inspirational, or is it like no, a mixture? This is, this is just one. This is just one section, and it's just about. Children who kind of rose above and inspired. There's an Anne Frank, uh, you know, display, and there's all kinds of information about about what she went through. And um, but mainly, the Children's Museum is just a place where where parents can take their kids to just let them run around and have fun and, and look at cool stuff. They have like you know this kind of life size, um, you know, Barbie. Uh, you know, they they step inside of it like they're in a packaged Barbie. Barbie case, kind of like NSYNC did when they were in their like you know little music video looking like dolls. <laughs> so, and I I heard it's so huge I didn't have time to see everything because I was really kind of focusing on the Ryan White display and Gwen and I didn't have much time. We were going to speak somewhere and um, I heard that Boba Fett's actual costume um, from from Lucas Arts was there. Like it was on display somewhere and I was like oh my god I miss Boba Fett's outfit like you know so. <laughs> I really think that that they they just have so much stuff. They had this like giant slide that kids could go down. Um, you know, they have some you know some scientific things too that 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 kids can can learn from. So that's that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I think the website is childrensmuseumofindianapolis.com, or if you just do a Google search for Children's Museum of Indianapolis, it'll come up. 
I, I love that stuff. I, I'm a big kid, you know. I, I, I just so we have this place called Discovery Place here. I know I'm going totally off topic, but it no. they have um, like a 3D science thing where you can mm-hmm. go in and touch like cells and atoms and you know you can get down to that granular molecular level. It's awesome. Yeah. It's very yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's very cool. I, I I I'm total geek on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think having those things where kids can can actually learn by touching and seeing and, and making it fun, it's like, I mean, that's so important for a kid's developmental stage to learn, to make it fun. And, and the Children's Museum definitely does that. And and I think you do that through your book, My Pet Virus. See how good I'm at plugging this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you make it fun because you, you, you talk about it in, in realistic terms. And um, there are some of us, and when I say us, I'm talking about me, who can get bogged down into the science of it all, and then I lose people. Because oh, so for true. me, yeah, this, <laughs> thanks, Robert. <laughs> the, the, the science of it is fascinating to me. So I can sit there and start talking about, you know, down to the molecular, the, the protein level, and, and people are looking at me like I'm, you know, got four heads or something. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, I got, I got some callers here I want to bring on real quick. Oh, okay. Before we, All right. before we run out of time. So um, area code 215, welcome to the show. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Lauren. Hey, Lauren. How are you, man? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. Hey, Sean, I had a question for you. Um, with dating somebody that's, HIV negative. Um, my question is, how do you um, how do you balance the message of how you can date people who are negative and not get it through safe, safer sex, with on the other hand the message of HIV? You know, people still are getting it. You know, occasionally people still are dying. Not as much, thank God, but how do you balance that, hey, this is really serious and you could die if you get it, but with you can't, you can date people who are negative? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line, but I think it's, it's an important one to walk. And uh, for me, I, I really just, uh, you know, I talk about what it's been like for me being on meds for over 10 years, and I talk about, you know, people are living longer if you have access to good health care, if you have a good doctor who's knowledgeable, um, you know the chances are you can you can live a normal lifespan. But at, but at the same time, you know, a lot of people you know deal with resistance to HIV meds. A lot of people um, have have other health factors that HIV exacerbates. Um, for me, it's just you know it's making it something people can wrap their heads around because I think if HIV is presented as as oh if you get this you'll die, it doesn't become real. Um, uh-huh. Talking about the reality makes it be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, it's not as black and white as you get this and die. And so then people can think, okay, well, this is how you prevent it. If I ever encounter somebody who's positive, this is what we could do to prevent it. Because I think if if you portray uh-huh. anything as sort of like this one-sided, one-dimensional monster, then it has as much real-life concern for people day-to-day as, like, Freddy Krueger does, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yeah, oh, that, that's true. a monster. That thing is something other people have to worry about, you know, or that's something I only yeah. you know, see in the movies or on TV. But when you're like, oh, here's the day-to-day. This is what Gwen and I deal with. This is what I deal with with taking meds, and this is what I've dealt with in terms of having to switch meds that were working, but I had to switch because side effects were so bad I had to deal with them. People were like, oh, wow, wow, I didn't know, like, if... I didn't know if you were on HIV meds and they were they were fighting the virus and working that they might have side effects that make them intolerable. And so people, you know, I think it's I think it's important. I think it's important to show the real side, and I think it's really important to tell people like you can protect yourself from this, and also give people the tools like, hey, treat everybody like like you know like like they're positive and you'll be safe. Because I think the biggest message is. HIV is so tricky. It's such a tricky virus, and a lot of people are positive who don't know it. And so a lot of people are like, well, you know, this is something if somebody is positive, they tell me they, they might not know. So it, it, it can be prevented if, if, if you use condoms correctly and, and you just open a dialogue. So 
so yeah, I think I think speaking about it in real terms is is it goes hand in hand really with with uh, encouraging people to get tested, encouraging people not just with HIV, people with any lifelong sexually transmitted infection, like hey, you can have a healthy sex life, you know, get out there, you have something to offer a relationship, you can prevent transmission, um, and I think in terms of presenting it that way, that life goes on, it encourages people to get tested and then to take their health seriously. Which is always a good thing. I want to thank Lauren for calling in. And if you guys don't know, Lauren is actually going to be a guest on our show on the 30th of May, so you can tune in and listen to his story. And he was actually just casted in the Logos HIV and Me um, uh, project that was done. A video was shot um, being interviewed by Angina. You can go check that out at Logotv.com and search Lauren, L-O-R-A-N. Um, I do have another caller, Sean, I want to bring on. So I know this is Scott Kramer from New York. Scott, how you doing? Good. How are you guys, Robert, Jeremy, and Sean? How's it going? Good, good. good. How are you? Great. Everything's good. I just wanted to call in and say hello and also um, just, you know, to thank you again, Sean, for writing your first book. Um, I'm I'm currently working at the Hetrick Martin Institute, which is um, – LGBTQ youth agency serving um, LGBTQ youth uh, from 13 to 21. And I decided to start um, an HIV-infected and affected support group um, and be out about my status as well in that group. Um, And it's really been amazing and wonderful. And I've decided not to focus so much on prevention for this group, but rather support, support for people that are positive and support for people that know people that are positive and might not know where to turn. And um, I think one of the things that I'm going to do is buy your book for everybody in that group um, because I think it really presents a positive and fun way of looking at things, and I think that that could really help our youth. So I wanted to thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Thanks for thanks for the work you're doing too, because I think it it is so important for people like who not just people who are positive, but people who have like a family member or a friend who's positive. Like, it's important for them to have a support group and a safe place to go to to talk about all that. So, so keep up the great work, because um, I think in those situations where people are most scared and they feel like they can't talk, once you get them together, like, it's amazing how quickly they will become the educators. Like. They'll start talking to their friends. They'll start talking about, you know, how this has impacted them personally, and then that's really how we educate. It's those personal connections and getting people to realize HIV is in their inner circles. I want to thank Scott for calling into the show all the way from New York. Sean, we are out of time. I want to thank you for hanging out with us for the hour. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and and you guys keep up the great work. Uh, You're doing a great thing by raising awareness in this way and having these discussions. And tell Gwen we said hello and we send our love. We'll do it. Lots of positive hugs to you guys. I'm waiting for her. I'm waiting for her book to come out. (laughs) Yeah, her book is going to be the expose. (laughs) She's going to say what a night what a nightmare it's been like being with the lead singer of Synthetic Division. Well, well, keep me posted when you're here in Philly so I can uh, try to make arrangements to come see it. Yeah, I would love to see you for the Decker's Daily. Uh, it'd be great to have a nice smoker with you, Robert. All right, you have a great day, man. All right, look forward to meeting you too at some point, Jeremy. Absolutely. You All can right. count on it. All Lots right. of love. Lots right, of love, everybody. Take it easy. And you guys can find more information on Sean Decker and My Pet Virus at www.mypetvirus.com. You can also check out his blog um, at pause.com. So, Jeremy, what a great show. It was a terrific show. It went really, really well. Yeah, I'm excited um, to, uh, to have him on, and I'm excited that he's going to be here in Philly. Um, and it, Gwen's going to be here, too, so that's even a bonus. I get to meet her as well, hopefully. But I do yeah, have some news that I just got. Um, I watched the other day. Did you watch the finale of RuPaul's Drag Race real quick? I did. You did? Did you see the commercial for the new show? Uh, yes. And Angina will be back on TV? Yes, I know. So it'll be another addiction to drag you as the new show. And I guess it's sort of like Charm School, but for, for drag queens? All right. So, yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, so it'll be interesting so people can check that out. Don't forget, you can find more information on Jeremy 
and his blog at PositivelySpeaking.com. For information on the radio show and our social network at PodsIM.com. Jeremy, have a great night. All right. Sounds good. And thank you all for tuning in. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good week.